The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Riddle Wire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, pretty crazy week. It's only Wednesday, but pretty insane week. Uh, we both had to cancel trips due to coronavirus concerns. Uh, I'm bummed out about it, not making the New York trip. It's uh, a letdown, but the silver lining here is hopefully, one, stop the or slow down the spread of the coronavirus, but two... You and I are actually going to be able to draft our main event team together. I was going to do that solo with you, kind of, you know, us prepping a lot beforehand. But now we're actually going to both be in the draft room on Saturday. Yeah, I really can't wait for for that day to come. It's going to be really exciting. Long time coming for us to get back into the main event, and I I really hope we can hold our, hold our own. I mean, I, I know that we're very prepared, but uh, it's going to be probably the toughest draft you and I do this season. Yeah, we did this once. What was that, 2015? Got our butts handed to us. I, I do really think that that was a Deserve good thing. It. Deserve it. Oh, yeah. So. We, we did not deserve to 
finish higher than what, like eighth or ninth. I don't even know where we finished, but that was good. It was a wake up call and a reminder that you have to be on top of your fab every single week. Um, it's, it's really tough. So, uh, you know, I think we've got a pretty good idea mapped out, although picking 14th really kind of throws a wrench in things. Yeah. And I was, I mentioned this to you off air, uh, I, I sort of have a theory about why, like, I don't I don't think, to me, Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't a guy that belongs uh, as, like, a first-rounder, late first-rounder, even early second uh, is a little rich for me. But I understand it just when you're picking 14th, 15th, you start to kind of look at who's all going to be there. And I could see how you would talk yourself into Tatis just because you're not going to probably get one of those speed guys uh that you really want and you know with all these aces dropping like flies i mean uh, pitching's obviously going to get pushed up speed's going to get pushed up it's just uh you know it's it's obviously easy to just say well just take take the value take the value uh there's just so much uh that's going to be off the board by the time it get, gets back to you in the third the fourth um you really have to kind of look several rounds in advance and just sort of see what type of players are going to be just completely unavailable to you with your later picks? Yeah, I know our buddy Rob Silver was being kind of tongue-in-cheek earlier when he said, hey, just take the, you know, I recommend just taking the best players. You can't really value draft, and especially in a league like this, where there's no trading, there's an overall component to it, so you got to, I really think you got to strive for balance, and you can't just take best player available, because if you do that, you're going to really be lopsided and not have all your your bases covered yeah but this is the latest i've drafted so far this draft season i did pick 13th in our rotowire mag draft and got verlander bueller that's already off to a rough start but i think if you look right now and you're picking 14th you have to assume this top 12 is gone ronald acuna mike trout christian yelich garrett cole mookie betts Degrom, lindor bellinger story turner soto bueller i think those 12 are locked in top 12 picks. And then the, the big question is number 13. Who's going to be the guy who goes right in front of us? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I certainly hope those top 12 are not firmly locked in, but we obviously have to prepare as if we will not be getting one of those 12. And, you know, I'd, I'd love it if somebody jumps Tatis into the top 13, somebody jumps um, – you know, I mean, I, I just I don't think it's going to be one of those like Arenado, Harper, uh, JD, um, Freeman, like those those basically low speed or no speed stars who we just know they're going to produce um, massive quantities of, of four categories on the hitting side. I don't see any of those guys sneaking in ahead of us. Um, it's just not that's not where the the scarcity is and i mean it'd be super easy for us to build a team that won our league and batting average home runs rbi and runs like that'd be extremely easy to do uh, but, but those categories that are taxed yeah it's going to be hard given this position when you really plot out you know by adp who's going to be available in certain spots i assume that it's going to be jack flaherty going 13th right in front of us given as you alluded to all the aces dropping like flies but yeah, I could see Tatis. Uh, are you good with Flaherty if he makes it to us? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you and I have been really doing, don't sound optimistic. You and I have been doing. Um, I mean, we did kind of 
you know, you obviously maintain a top 350 on the site. I do not, but I uh, do. I project all these guys, and I, you know, have valuations for all of them. So I kind of filled out my top 200 or so, and we we did sort of a composite. And like Jack Flaherty's my 25th ranked guy, and yet I am open to taking him with the 14th pick. Like mm-hmm. that's that's sort of where we're at right now. And you even discuss Beebs. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy. Just given, well, we, I've only done one of these, but the I know it's of legend, stuff of legend, the, the starting pitching inflation in these main events. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Todd Whitestone, who I also share a main event team with, and he, you know, we were just kind of debating what the pitching tax is actually going to be just relative to current ADP. Ryan Bloomfield had a really good tweet uh, showing where uh, all those top 10 to 12 pitchers went in these the three online championships the other night. Um, you know, I kind of think all the starting pitchers might go about 10 spots higher than their ADP in main event drafts. Todd thought that was maybe a little, uh, bloated. I mean, that they'll go higher. He wasn't so sure about 10 spots higher, but, uh, I mean, we, it's just really a supply and demand type of thing, you know, like getting a, a hitter who's going to be just a, a, counting stats stud but isn't going to steal any bases those guys are there's there's still plenty of those guys um yeah like the we pitchers were, went like like i don't see you or i either of us making a case at any point in this draft to take one of the injured uh pitchers no. i mean like like i love clevenger but it, you know i mean he's not going to be there for us in the third and um we're talking about like the guys with the arm injuries like verlander scherzer uh obviously sale like this was a lot easier back when all those guys were healthy because I wasn't really interested in any of those three. And that just led to crazy stuff happening, like getting Clayton Kershaw in the fifth round of TGFBI. Um, Lucky, like, you lucky dog. None, none of that's going to happen anymore. Uh, yeah. Like just the fact that three guys that were in the mix three weeks ago are no longer in that sort of safe ace tier uh, just in terms of the the opinion of drafters, it just really really complicates matters because you you run out of guys you're comfortable with as your SP one and even your SP two really quickly. Yeah, you mentioned that composite ranking we we put together as prep here, and yeah, Flaherty is a little down the list than Bieber, uh, but if you look at just the straight uh, rankings that we have, if if those top twelve are gone, we're looking at Arenado, JD, Bryce. Freddie Freeman, all good options, but yeah, at that point in the draft, it's like picking between those three. It's like I'd rather fill a uh, grab something that's more scarce, a more scarce commodity than than any of those four. And there are like over <laughs> over a handful of guys that I love in the middle rounds that certainly aren't going to produce like Nolan Arenado or JD Martinez, but. I feel pretty good about them getting me 80% of the way there. And uh, there's just not that same sort of thing with the guys that can steal 20 plus bases and the pitchers that could throw 200 innings with 250 strikeouts. You know, I mean, it's just uh, those guys are not, they're just much less unique. Um, So it's just, it's really, it's really tough. I mean, without an overall prize, this would be a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like in the overall prize, and I've said this overall contest, I've said this several times, that I do feel like steals are still a bit undervalued just because, 
you're not going to have any shot at the overall if you don't have them. And getting some steals early, I think, just keeps things open for you as the draft unfolds. So, yeah, if it's not Flaherty, I'm not trying to give too much away, but just talking through our first pick here. If it's not Flaherty, I think we maybe jump up a guy like Jose Ramirez over those sluggers, Arenado, J.D., Harper, Freeman, just because we know Ramirez is going to run a fair amount. Yeah, I mean, we, we could really use a break here. Uh, I mean, we got our – we were the 15th when KDS ran. We were 15th out of 15 in terms of our preference. Uh, man, I would I would love to just catch a break and have, you know, Juan Soto or Walker Buehler be there at 14. Uh, not going to happen, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> man, it would be nice. Some crazy things happen, though. I just know you're expecting the worst. I really think, like, it would, it would require um, – one or both of Tatis or Jose Ramirez going in the top 13, which I think, you know, maybe one of them does. I can um, see Tatis, yeah. Maybe, um, like you said, maybe Flaherty goes ahead of us, and then one of those guys also goes ahead of us, and then someone like Soto is there at 14. Um, I mean, there's just – there's literally no chance, right, that, that any of the – top 10 guys are there at 14 for us right no i wouldn't think so um and i i honestly think there's no chance that bueller's there i think like the only guy in our top 12 that could maybe 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 be there is soto just because he doesn't really run as much but so yeah like best case scenario we get soto plan b we get flaherty right then plan c is bieber or jose ramirez i guess and yeah. I know you're not in on B. <laughs> you like, don't want to push the I'm not, issue on B. It's just it's it seems like we're inevitably going to walk away with two guys with our first two picks who I just never envisioned ending <laughs> up with as my first two picks in any leagues this yeah. year. And it's Are, just uh it's just a it's a byproduct of these pitcher injuries. If if Scherzer and Verlander were fully healthy, I think we'd be in a much better spot. We'd probably get Bueller at 14 or at least Soto or something like that at 14 and maybe maybe even Flaherty at 17 but uh, those days are gone yeah byproduct of the pitcher injuries and just picking 14th and yeah it's too bad I, th- I think when we left our last main event many years ago that high afterwards was crazy maybe not the same high just because on paper we won't feel quite as good about the team but I'm still looking forward to it James 11 a.m. Uh, Central time, noon Eastern. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be. Uh, I'm already uh, getting well, butterflies. This will be great because I'll be able to comfortably be plugging these guys in uh, to my software and everything without worrying about uh, disaster striking. I can. Yeah, and I don't have to take. I don't have to shoulder the full blame if things go horribly no, wrong. I'll, I'll shoulder. I'll shoulder the full blame. <laughs> <laughs> I was just preparing to because I was going to be drafting alone, and I figured I'd probably make some picks that you weren't like that fond of. But uh, let's hope we can at least take the league down, maybe make some noise in the overall. Looking forward to it. But James, your latest Farm Futures article, anticipating call updates up on the site, went up two days ago. Really good stuff here. And we've talked a lot about a lot of the players here, but we will uh, at least touch on when you expect them up. Um, you nailed one of these last year. Was it Paddock? Do you remember which one? Oh, it was? I mean, I got Paddock last year. That I I wasn't the only one that got. Well, Paddock yeah, last but year. you kind of were ahead of the pack on just 
expecting him to be with the team on opening day. Yeah, I I was I was ahead of the pack on when he'd be up, and I had zero shares. <laughs> Behind the pack on how good he'd be. Well, that's all right. Um, <laughs> not a big deal. I'm up in this SiriusXM host draft we're doing at the same time. Ooh, live pit. Oh yeah, so that, isn't that that's your Chris most Brent. prestigious league, right? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> This was thrown together kind of uh, last minute, but it's fine. I'm, I'm excited to hopefully uh, beat some people up again in this league this year. Um, pretty tough field. Zola's is in it, which he would kind of let me. Um, uh, he's just a good player. I'm sure he'll be battling for the oh, top wow. of the standing. You have one good player in it. Wow. <laughs> Harsh but fair. No, <laughs> I, uh, some other decent ones. Uh, but, James, let's look at your – anticipating call updates for 2020 and you kind of broke this into tears is really good stuff uh dylan carlson what are you thinking are you thinking they get that extra year control or is this kind of a chris paddock situation or they maybe kind of buck the trend and and start them right away on the big league roster uh yeah so the the first group of players we're going to talk about are the guys where this getting an extra year control thing factors in heavily and uh you know, I, I go through all sort of the minutia and all the details and everything in the article, but April 10th is the first day this year that you can bring up a player with zero MLB service time and get that player for seven years instead of six. Uh, with Carlson, the Cardinals, I, I mean, their front office is, is funny to me. I mean, they uh, their spin is just so blatantly spin. It's, it's like <laughs> they were... Uh, talking about how great of a spring he's had. Well, first they had to sort of backtrack. They had a lot of comments sort of over the winter about how he's uh, their best prospect since Oscar Tavares and everything. And um, they've had to just, they've been fighting this narrative all spring that uh, Carlson could break camp in the big leagues. Like, you know, with the the Padres, like AJ Preller's always like overly optimistic that a guy could, could win a job in camp. Uh, they're kind of doing the opposite where it's just like, man, I, Tyler O'Neill is having a great spring, like all that stuff. Um, meanwhile, like you still have Dexter Fowler. It's not like you're fielding a two person outfield. You have to fill three spots. Uh, I, I think it's a late April debut for Carlson. Um, I mean, I think it's highly, highly unlikely that all of Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler look like they deserve everyday playing time. Uh, certainly not Fowler. Yeah, I mean, I like the guy as a guy, but I mean, baseball Fowler, skills have Fowler's deteriorated. A very capable fourth outfielder. Um, like he could be a fourth outfielder on, on a really good team, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think Carlson. My prediction is that he's up Monday, April twentieth, at home against the Reds. I you'll see that pretty much all my predictions are these guys debuting at home. Uh, teams still really care about ticket sales and everything like that. Uh, doesn't always happen that way, but typically these elite prospects debut at home. So, yeah, Carlson to me is someone who still is is a value in NFBC drafts. He's really the only like I have him one spot behind Luis Robert on my top four hundred. I have Robert fifth, Carlson sixth. Carlson is the type of guy that's probably going to steal double digit bases if he's up on April twentieth. And he's going to hit close to 20 homers, maybe more than 20 homers, high average, high OBP, could end up hitting pretty high in that lineup. I mean, that's not a loaded lineup. That's not going to be a tough 
top four to crack. It's not a Gavin Luck situation. So I really don't see much downside in taking Carlson where he's going right now in drafts. Yeah, I remember you asked me last weekend where I thought you'd have to take Carlson, like in the main event this coming weekend. I said about 175, so I reflected my rankings to um, reflect that. I know you have him just a little bit lower, but um, do you expect we'll end up with him this weekend? Uh, I won't make us take him at 175. But Well, so I, I don't even know where I have him. I mean, I'm, I'm super open to taking – Carlson pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of like who else is available. Um what do we yeah. need? You know, I mean it's There's a lot of good players still in that range, but the, the one area where I do think there is value right now is late outfielders. And so the idea of stashing someone like Carlson for a few weeks does not uh, bug me very much at all. And obviously, it's something I've been doing in pretty much every league. So certainly doesn't bug me. And I think there's definitely value. You can get late, really late, like outside of the top 400. There's still outfielders I like in 15-team mixed leagues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it uh, pretty much anywhere. The one thing is, like, that's also sort of that range where we might be addressing closer. So, you know, if let's say, like, there's a – guy that we we don't mind as like our second closer and then carlson's also out there that might be a tough call yeah that could be tough we'll see that's why i like getting at least one closer um in the top 10 rounds or so we'll see how that shakes out but um james we saw, we've seen uh luis robert get an extension we've seen evan white get one and then some big leaguers uh yon mancada and others get some extensions this this spring you expecting any more prospects prospect extensions guys who haven't debuted yet you expecting we see another one or two of those this spring uh the one guy that i think it would make a lot of sense for is nick madrigal i think that they not only is he you know i think he's as big league ready right now as he would be in in late april and uh he he dodged a serious injury the other day uh took a grounder to the face but um it doesn't sound like he suffered any serious injuries they already did this with Ila Jimenez and Luis Robert where they uh gave those guys long-term deals to make sure they broke camp with them Madrigal maybe just you know he, he's recently got that big first round payday uh so maybe he's not as hard up for cash and wants to kind of earn as much as he can no, no harm in doing that either, but I'm sure the White Sox would have a number where they would happily agree to a long-term deal with him before opening day. And I would strongly consider that if it's if it's anything respectable at all because, you know, you just never know with a guy like this where there's no power. Um, you know, it's he might not be the type of guy that gets rewarded that well in, in arbitration and stuff like that. So uh, I, I think it's possible Madrigal – um, agrees to a long-term deal and breaks camp on the opening day roster. Yeah, I'm looking for a Jared Kelnick extension this, this extension season. Um, let's get on at Seattle. Now, Joe Adele, we've said that you're not as quite as high for 2020, but uh, if you had to pinpoint a date, when do you expect to see Joe Adele up? I'm going with May 11th at home against the Nationals. I I think he'll have a pretty good first month or so at triple a 
I don't think it's going to be just this like Jordan Alvarez type of thing where he's the best hitter at AAA and um, really bangs the door down, but I think he'll be pretty good. I got maybe like a 130 WRC plus or something like that at AAA over the first month. And uh, if that happens, I think, you know, they're not going to just keep him down for, for months and months. I think he would be up in May. So um, I think he gets, you know, 400 plate appearances, maybe a little more than that. Uh, but I, I do think there will be some struggles against big league pitching. Nice. Well, before we move on, a quick word from our sponsor, Fantrax. So of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league. Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Don't worry about having the Hopis in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool, and if they don't have him, they will add them for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? Fantrax has you covered there with their treasurer product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you all 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. James, Spencer Howard, he just made his spring debut, right? Did you uh, get eyes on Spencer Howard yesterday? Or maybe two days ago, I don't remember. Uh, I did not. I, I saw people talking about how how stuff looked pretty good, about as good as it did in the, the AFL. Uh, he's just someone where it's just very obvious that the team need aligns with his readiness and – you know, it's it's not clear how many innings he'll be able to log this year, but why not have them be in the big leagues? I think that 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 much is is pretty obvious. So uh, yeah, they're fighting an uphill battle, but they're dead set on trying to compete. Well, when you give Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler those contracts, your window is now. Like your window's not next year; it's not the year after. It's mm-hmm. now. So uh, Howard, I have debuting April nineteenth at home against the Marlins. They, you know, this way they can kind of just give you know those those back end guys uh, a couple turns and kind of let it be, you know, whoever's struggling the most. I'm sure a couple of them will be struggling, and whoever's struggling the most loses their job. So yeah, this this target date you have prediction date Sunday April 19th. That's actually the second earliest among all these players, isn't it? Because you have Madrigal one, and then um, yep. Carlson one day behind. Spencer Howard. So I uh, expect to see a lot of Spencer Howard this year. Mackenzie Gore a little further further off. Yeah, his is very tough. I I I made it clear here I I don't really have a good feel for this one. You know, I think that this could go a lot of different ways. There's just so many more factors with Gore than there are with the other players we talked about. And I I went with May eleventh at home against the White Sox. It could be you know, he could break camp in the rotation. He could be down past, well past May 11th. I I don't have a good feel. I just felt like I needed to touch on him because he's somebody that's going in the top 300 in redraft leagues. Yeah, I'm a little surprised to see that. But uh, good pitcher, but yeah, I'm a little surprised at the aggressiveness from some drafters on Gore. Uh, Whitley, now we know they've lost Verlander for an undisclosed period of time. We'll see what that timetable looks like, but you don't expect that to expedite Force Whitley's arrival. I just don't think so. I mean, I think they still have one of the better pitching staffs 
in the American League. I, I mean, I know they – like, sure, if they were without Verlander the, for the whole year, maybe it would be more of kind of like a middle-of-the-pack staff. But I expect good things from Rikidi and Josh James this year. And uh, Lance McCullers is certainly a good pitcher when he's healthy. Uh, they have a really, really good bullpen. Um, they've They've guys like – Framber Valdez and Brian Abreu and uh, Christian Javier and th- those types of guys where they're not true starting pitchers. They're, they're not guys that are going to be able to turn a lineup over uh, more than once with any kind of regularity, but they can eat you two, three innings out of the bullpen. So I think that that allows them to uh, handle a injury to the rotation better than a lot of teams. So And, and you, you don't rush a guy like Whitley. Uh, for a need that would just be foolish i don't think there's any team that would be that dumb um you wait till he's ready you want him to have success early on you don't want him to uh, lose confidence or anything like that uh, too much against big league pitching so i think it's just all about his fastball command once that's there uh the rest of the pieces will fall into place nice yeah i know the blue jays have a clear need but they're not going to be a team that rushes to fill that need with nate pearson uh, we've seen the stuff, the raw stuff, but the command is a bit up and down. Do you expect that command to kind of lead to some s- bumps in the road for Pearson? Um, you know, I, I think it's more just a issue of like how well does he hold his stuff deep into games? How deep can he go into games? Um, how confident do you feel starting him against the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Rays. Uh, Maybe real confident against the Yankees if they keep going on this path. They have so much depth, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't even throw the Red Sox in there, but um, <laughs> I I don't want to really start anyone against the Rays this year, to be honest. No. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Pearson is obviously one of the Blue Jays' five best pitchers, but they've been very – uh, clear about the fact that they think he needs to go to AAA, and they've their actions have spoken as loud as their words with guys like Bobochet and Vlad Jr. and they know that they're not competing really for for much of anything this year. So I think it's going to be service time games probably with him, but eventually you just get him up because you don't want those bullets to be a AAA all season. Now I mentioned that I'm hoping, holding out hope for a Jared Kelnick extension. Uh, you're more realistic here saying May 12th uh, is a, your prediction date for his debut. But you say this could be a 50 to 70% fab situation in NFPC leagues when he does get the call. So you're expecting him to be uh, one of the big-time fab pickups of the entire season. Yeah, I think so because – I don't think he's because you you know you're going for who's the best prospect who's going to come up that won't be drafted right like because all the guys like Adele uh, Carlson all those guys getting drafted pretty much in every league I'm sure there will be some main event leagues where Kellenick gets drafted some 15 team NFBC leagues where he's off the board but yeah, I can think of one <laughs> there's there's uh there's probably more than 50 percent where he will not be drafted and therefore will be uh, will not be able to be fabbed until he gets the call so in those leagues and certainly like tgfbi i would imagine less than two or three of the 20 some leagues I, I bet he went in so uh, in those leagues i think there will be a big time fab bidding situation because they're just there aren't a ton of guys um 
you know, Wanda Franco, Julio Rodriguez would be others, certainly if they did get the call. Uh, Alec Baum, Alex Kirloff, but I think Kalanick will probably be the first of that batch to reach the majors, and he's certainly a big enough name that uh, it will take a, a hefty fab bid to get him. Yeah, I'm expecting to end up with him, but I'm also expecting a massive bid-off because I fully expect to have to drop him um, <laughs> right. early on in the season. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so we'll see. That's uh, that's going to be... I mean, you're going to have to deal with that, I think, in some of your leagues where you have Kalanick slash Wander Franco. The Yeah, Kalanick has supplanted him as my like mixed league redraft. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll you'll already be sending I mean it'd be easier for you to just cut Wander Franco right away mm-hmm. let him sort of be out of sight out of mind for everyone and um, just hope that everyone sort of forgets that, that yeah. you did draft him in that inevitably way. I'll drop him like two weeks before his debut <laughs> we'll see how long I can wait uh, but James the second tier here Super 2 status of course the Super 2 being different than just gaining that extra year control the service time thing uh, do you kind of want to give an overview of what Super 2 does and how it'll affect some of these prospects yeah so you're basically teams will sometimes try to manipulate things so they only have to pay a player in arbitration three times rather than four times and it's it's a moving target there's there's not an official date uh i don't want to get into the whole i mean it's just really kind of a complicated thing but uh Typically, most years, if you call a guy up after June 1st, you're only going to have to do three years of arbitration with them rather than four. So um, if you want to wait till then on a guy, you know, that, that, that can be a motivating factor. It's, it's not as big of a motivating factor as it is uh, for just the extra year of control uh, because we're just talking about several millions of dollars versus a full year of a player in his prime. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's something that teams factor in, but I don't think it's a determining factor in some cases. So Alex Kirloff, the next guy you wrote up here, um, is this one where the, the Twins will probably play this Super 2 game, or if a need arises beforehand, will they make the call? Well, I think with, with the guys I tried to include here, it, it was kind of a – a nice sort of sweet spot where they could look pretty ready right around this time. And they're, they're big enough names where you would expect to be saving a decent amount of money um, by dodging that fourth arbitration year. And Kirilov definitely fits right in. I think if they had a clear need, maybe he'd be up, but I also just, you know, they have a lot of depth. Like, like Jake cave is, is a capable bench outfielder i mean they have um guys like marwin gonzalez who aren't going to be everyday players like if they have to withstand an injury i think they would probably be tempted to just let kirilov finish his development at triple a rather than force the issue with him i mean if he's just the best hitter at triple a over the first three weeks and they have a need then sure i think they he might be up but uh, they're not really in a position where I think they have to rush things with him if, if they don't think he's quite ready. Before we move on, a quick note from our friends over at Auto New. Auto New Fantasy Baseball is the next level of fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters, accumulate prospects to lead your team into the future, or move uh, that prospect for a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. 
Learn more about why everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at autonewbaseball.com. That's O T T O N E U baseball.com. Auto New, better fantasy baseball. James um, Kirloff, I know he's having a big spring, kind of exciting bomb, uh, boom rather. We've talked about, I'm kind of surprised to see Joey Bart being mentioned a little bit on Twitter and hear this article because I see this kind of as like an Adley Rutschman situation where the team will be bad. So, like, what's the point? But you do expect to see Bart up. I definitely get your concerns, but I just, it seems like everything. Um, like beat writers, everyone just sort of seems to expect that he'll be up. Uh, with Rutschman, there's just no chance. Like, there's no chance the Orioles are so far away from being uh, contenders that you would just, there's no reason to start his clock now. Uh, he's going to be ideally the face of their franchise, and you kind of want to delay that as long as you. <laughs> as long as you can without it just being painfully obvious and, and to the point where you damage the relationship with the player. But uh, the Giants actually probably aren't as far off from contending for uh, the playoffs as may- maybe some people might think. Their system's obviously loaded. It's loaded in the lower levels, but they've got a pretty good budget. I mean, they've got – um you know some smart people in that front office i wouldn't i wouldn't be too surprised if they were uh competitive in a couple of years and with bart you know i mean i think if he is really forcing the issue i don't i don't really see why they would hold him down i mean everyone just sort of expects that he'll be up um i mean they sent him to the arizona fall league that's always kind of a telltale sign that a guy could very realistically debut the following year um so I just mentioned him because he is getting drafted. I mean, people are desperate enough at catcher, and he's the type of player that's really going to get paid in arbitration, so it would make sense for them to kind of wait until that's passed before they bring him up. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really considered Bart once for the redraft. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. it. I, I think stashing a catcher for over a couple of months is, is very, very, very silly, but uh, people are doing it, so I mentioned him. Yeah, no, that's smart. I... I'm just a little surprised to see him getting, I know he was like reassigned, but people said like, oh, he's probably going to be back this year. I found that a little surprising. Cabrian Hayes, a guy who apparently the Pirates want to extend. Um, I don't know why anybody would want to commit to that organization long term right now, but at least there is that turnover in the front office. They're trying to secure some pieces. Is Cabrian Hayes a building block though? If they can unlock a little bit more offense, I think he could be. I mean, he he's in that sort of Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado, really Manny is that Machado good on defense type of uh, defense at third base. So wow. does the bat doesn't have to be amazing for him to be a four or five win player uh, given yeah. the defense? Interesting. And Julio Rodriguez, you know, I know he's had some struggles in spring, but. You know, at spring training, Acuna's been struggling too. Um, I mean, he was like, it was like <laughs> some, something in like 14 plate appearances. Yeah, that's like, silly. Um, noteworthy. But I do think that maybe he's not quite as ready as Kellnick. No, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's not, not going on. That's not controversial yeah, I mean, at all. Rodriguez is 19. Is Kellnick 19 too? No. 20? Uh, I think he's at least 20. Uh, I know they're both very young. I just think Kellnick's polished. Um, Rodriguez, though, it, you you like to debut this year, and it kind of boils down to that organizational philosophy. You said that 
they've gotten pretty aggressive with assignments for these kids. Well, it's so somebody mentioned that to me on Twitter, and it's very, very fair to bring up like, why would they start his clock? They're not competing this year. And I don't think they will start his clock if he isn't forcing it. I just think he's going to be, if not the best hitter in the minors this year, you know, one of the four or five best hitters in the minors this year. And they are not going to bring Jared Kalanick up in May and just let Julio Rodriguez win minor league player of the year, like languishing in the upper levels all year if he's hitting the way I expect him to hit. I think he'll be up. They they want to kind of show off this young core to ownership. Uh, Jerry Depoto, I don't think, has a ton of time left, uh, so he kind of needs to show ownership, hey, this is what the future is going to look like. And, uh, you know, it's just good to build good relationships with your young players to try to get them to sign extensions. I mean, you don't want to deal with a Chris Bryant type of situation where the player can't wait to get out of there because of the way you treated him. Yeah, that's smart. And I do think Depoto's done a pretty good job lately building things up. But, yeah, you want to see it on the field. And, um, yeah, ownership may be getting a little impatient. But I think, yeah, if he brings those guys up, ownership will be pretty happy with how the future looks. Finally, the last guy he wrote up in the article this week, Wander Franco. We've talked a ton about him. The top prospect in baseball. And I think your number four prospect when you did the top – hitting prospects of the, the decade last uh, last yeah. winter. So, obviously, you're sky high on him. Anything to add with Wander Franco? Uh, no, I mean, he's he's in the same boat as Rodriguez. That you know He won't be up if he doesn't force it. I just kind of think he will force it. And they have as much depth as anyone on their 40-man roster. Fortunately, a lot of those guys, Franco – uh, Franco's not on the 40-man roster yet, but uh, a lot of their best players are capable of playing a handful of positions. So, um, you know, I have a hard time believing that if he's as good as he probably will be this year, that they won't be able to find a spot for him. And this is a World Series year for the Rays. They, to me, are the, the favorites to come out of the American League. And if you have a generational talent at AAA, knocking down the door in a year like that, you're not going to keep them down. Nice. Well, great stuff as always. Anything else on your mind as we get set for the main event? No, man. I'm really excited. I know we yeah. – uh, I'm also excited for the, the hip-hop draft pick. Yeah. This week. I already told you who mine was going to be just because I'm next up, so this is no surprise to you. But after really some long, hard thought – I have settled on, and this was hard because it's not actually a guy I'm picking for an MC spot, and he's not far off as an MC, but I'm taking RZA to fill a producer spot. This guy has kind of created the the sound of my life. I mean, the soundtrack to my yeah. entire life. Um, obviously, I can't relate to the stories told in these songs. I'm a very sheltered white man, but I, you know, the, the sound and the... It's it's visceral. It's um, a glimpse into a different world, and I love I love what RZA has brought to my life. And I think because I didn't include this and got some heat for it for not picking this song as my Raekwon song, I'm going to go with Incarcerated Scarfaces as the RZA beat. 
again, he's not featured on this track as a as a rapper, but incarcerated Scarfaces for the RZA produced track, and of course featuring my number two pick. So I felt that worked uh, again. RZA not too far off from being a an Endgame selection himself as an MC. Yeah, uh, this that was a good pick. Obviously, I mean, I don't think you're going to get any backlash for that pick on Twitter. Um, this is a this is a tough spot for me because this guy probably wouldn't be my pick here if I was just drafting against myself, but feel like he's someone that's probably on your radar Hmm. and this is not a category this is not a position where i have a ton of depth at i I, you you probably have a lot more depth at this position than i do but uh just at least in your queue i'm gonna go with little wayne to fill a dirty south spot that's fair good pick um he was definitely in the queue, but, um, you know, Wayne had a pretty dramatic slide, almost a Joey Votto-esque. Well, but he, but he had a, a, peak, <laughs> a Hall of Fame a peak, peak that was like better Votto. than Joey Votto's peak, I would say. Well, I don't know about that, but it's debatable. I mean, he was, he was best, best rapper alive for a good 12 to 18 months or so, I would say. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think I took, you know, the, Basically, the hip hop equivalent of Mariano Rivera, just a guy Hall of Fame from start to finish. I know, I know. You um, God was kind of crapping on some of Riz's latest beats, but I think I think he still got you're, it. You're you're you just refuse to say anything bad about any sort of anything coming out of Wu Tang. But yeah, You God said his beats fell off after Iron Flag, and I, maybe I, that's true. I but. agree with You God, but I <laughs> how but dare I, you? <laughs> but I. Uh, Eight diagrams was pretty good. I mean, I don't know anyone who would. There's no MC or producer who I think has had a, in my opinion, a legit peak of more than like a decade. I yeah. just, it's just not. It's one that it's I a, believe happens. Spot where we disagree. Yeah, I know it is. You, I, I mean, you're just you're way more loyal than I am. Like yeah, you're, you're gonna ride with these guys till the end, and you I, have this mindset that. Rappers are kind of like athletes in a way, and that they kind of, you know, flame out and lose their abilities. I do. I, I really think they do. Uh, and I don't think it's a, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's, uh, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think it. it's just the way it goes. You know, I think you kind of lose that hunger. You kind of, um, you know, you've, you've done enough, uh, You've ingested enough toxins into your body that eventually you just kind of lose your fastball. Yeah, if you if you're doing that like coding stuff, certainly uh, you can lose that fastball in a hurry. But you know, I, I disagree with you on that. But I get your point. Um, you know, some guys lose that hunger, and maybe their skills deteriorate a little bit. I mean, too. we're we we're probably pretty close to post peak as podcasters. Oh, easily. I'm way past it. It's past my yeah, peak, and we might have we might have just never peaked. We, but I mean, we <laughs> eventually it's going to be. Uh, you know, if we're doing this ten years from now, I mean, it's going to be much worse than it is right now. Yeah, we haven't enjoyed those high highs, but I know those low lows are coming. <laughs> uh, James, great stuff. Are you going to input the picks into the sheet, or yeah, have you already? Yep, they're already in. Nice. You can follow the hip hop draft. You're up for another one to kick off. Uh, what is it? Round 
five, five yeah. round five. Nice. I'm I'm nervous that I'm going to get sniped again. Probably will happen, but we'll see. Uh, I pick Rizzo. James takes Lil Wayne in round four of the hip hop draft. We will be back with you next week, guys. Good luck in your drafts if you have some this weekend. Oh wait, I gotta yeah. I gotta give um, I gotta give a song a Lil Wayne. Oh yeah, track. yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. a lot of good ones to choose from. I'd obviously I didn't end up with them on my team, but if I were picking, I would take something off the Carter one. Carter one, yeah, you're a Carter one guy. Mm. Um, you're Carter. I'm a Carter two, two guy. I think uh-huh. uh, that's fair. I, I love man. Uh, so much, so much good stuff. Um, I think snitch, maybe <laughs> snitch is good. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go with. I think I'll go with shooter off of Carter two. Okay, that's a good one. I remember the Carter two. I think we've talked about this like last year, but Carter two was the first post Manny Fresh Cash Money album. They actually went back to the lab and re-recorded the whole thing. Uh, Wayne just wasn't feeling it. He was just kind of getting tired of that old Manny Fresh sound, and so they went back and did create a classic. There's that lost uh, Lil Wayne song from what was supposed to be the Carter II. Um forget what it is, but I'll look that up and get, get it to you next week. We will talk to you then on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.